everyone. Welcome to this episode of All Things Iceland. It's Jules. And today's episode highlights a fascinating farm and turf houses in the highlands of East Iceland. So over the summer, I was extremely fortunate to have the pleasure of traveling around Iceland, which in essence has become an annual trip for me for the last three years. So literally doing the circle at least once and then of course, going on like day trips or multi-day trips to places. And honestly, I'm always finding new places or like being shown new places. Either I'm kind of discovering them on my own or some locals are like, hey, come visit me, which is what happened in East Iceland. In fact, Raptis Baura and Rapket, both two different people don't know each other living in East Iceland, contacted me <laughs> to say, if you're ever in East Iceland, let me know. And, you know, you can come out and we'll show you around. So on this occasion, I did end up meeting both of them at different times. But when I was hanging out with Praptis, she ended up taking me to a really cool turf house slash old farm. And it's a hidden gym, in my opinion. And in general, there are a decent amount of hidden gyms in East Iceland but people end up skipping out on them or just, you know, bypassing this area because they're not aware of what's there. So, of course, to inform my amazing listeners who are looking for those types of experiences, I am going to be having more episodes that are highlighting these hidden gems. So the place that I'm talking about is called Sai Noitesel. And along with this place and hundreds of others like attractions, activities, and accommodations, they're all available on my Iceland map. So I did talk about this when I launched it in July, and I've added over 50 places since I launched my Iceland map this summer. So there's over 250 as of now when you listen to this episode, and I have many more to add, which I'm super excited about. So it is constantly being updated. And if you grab full access to my Iceland map, you, of course, get access to all of those places that I have, so over 250 places, and it's lifetime access. So if I update it, which I'm doing, you'll get access to all the new updates, updated places put on there, and four itineraries, as well as four itineraries to use for planning your trip. So those itineraries are pre-made. I had already created a 10-day ring road trip itinerary, just as an example you can follow it exactly or, you know, create something of your own based off of that. A three-day South Iceland trip, the famous Golden Circle, and, of course, the often overlooked Reykjanes Peninsula. So that one-time purchase, like I mentioned, will give you lifetime access and updates. And right now, I'm running a little sale that up until October 1st, you can get a 10% discount on full access and my podcast listeners, all of you wonderful people out there, are the first ones I'm sharing this discount with. So to get that discount, you just use the code TAKE10, so the word T-A-K-E, TAKE, in lowercase, and the number 1010. There's a link to my ISA map on allthingsison.com under the tab Trip Planning Help, which is at the top of my website, or you can go directly to the site of my Iceland map, which is rexby, R-E-X-B-Y dot com forward slash jewels, J-E-W-E-L-L-S forward slash Iceland. All right, now let's jump into why Sino de Sal is fascinating and 
potentially worth a visit for all of you who are listening. In some of my other episodes about the Icelandic Highlands, you might have heard me say that no one lives in the actual Highlands because this part of the country, which is about 80% of the landmass of Iceland, is hard to live in. I mean, if you've ever visited the Icelandic Highlands, you know exactly what I'm talking about. There's desert, black desert specifically. There is very little vegetation. There's moss, but like people are not living off of moss, that's for sure. And so the fertile land there is just very little, if hardly at all. And then it's also higher up in elevation. This is why it's literally called the Highlands. So it's colder. The weather is just really intense. It is not unusual at all to see snow in the highlands during the summertime. So we're talking about harsh conditions. Granted, when the weather is great, it's absolutely amazing, right? But that is not the case of in Iceland the majority of the time, or at least not the expected case. If it happens, everyone just feels super excited and grateful. But if it doesn't happen, it's like, oh, yeah, that's Iceland. And you just kind of leave it at that. The, the very thetaratast, you know, it'll all work out type of attitude because what are you going to do? Well... The case, though, is that even though no one lives in the Highlands now, there were some people that did live in the Highlands. And essentially, they just wanted their own independence. So here's a little bit of the history of Sainoitisal farm and turf houses in East Iceland's Highlands. Starting in 1843, some Icelanders chose to live among the gorgeous landscapes of Jökudalsheide Heath, which is known as Sainoitisal farm. However, in 1875, the ferocious eruption of Askia Caldera forced the abandonment of this farm for a period of time. The ashfall was terrible, and that's what made people leave. And of course, like the earthquakes and things of that nature and just danger. But five years later, the former inhabitants returned and rebuilt. And over the years, while they were there for around 100 years, it was not like just simple, peaceful living. There were still volcanic onslaughts and other natural disruptions that challenged those living there. But they decided to persist. And I think that really goes to show, like, especially in olden times, if you think of people just different, this generation, they were really good at that, it seems. <laughs> like just making do with these extremely difficult conditions. And that was certainly no different in Iceland. Like many of the houses in Iceland during this time, the buildings were made of turf. So sod, turf, stone were stacked in ingenious ways to provide shelter and insulation from harsh Icelandic weather. One of the major downfalls, though, is that living in a turf house, it has to be reconstructed every, you know, few years or so just because the material is wearing away. I mean, it's earth element, that's also getting hit by wind, rain, snow, ice. And granted, all materials or most materials, I should say, break down and have to be reconstructed or replaced. But of course, with turf, sod and stone, well, maybe not so much stone, but at least turf and sod, the wearing of it can happen much quicker. So over the years, there were several reconstructions. But of course, the idea was always to make these buildings in the likeness of how they started. So never losing their charm of having, you know, this look of being back in time in essence. 1943 was the last time that anyone lived full-time in these houses, mainly because of the allure of the more modern world beckoned people down from the highlands. 
And on, also during this time, you know, it's World War II. So there's a lot happening in Iceland as well regarding working on gaining independence and just different developments happening. The most recent rebirth of the Trip Houses were in 1992 by descendants of the last residents, which I think is really sweet in a really cool way of like remembering your ancestors that lived there. So a few of the houses were turned into a living museum and a lovely, lovely cafe. Like, I mean, if you want to see some of the pictures that I have of this place in the description on allthingsiceland.com, you can definitely check it out for this podcast episode, which is allthingsiceland.com forward slash Sainotisal. And that's S-A-E-N-A-U-T-S-E-L. So I got there. It was a rainy and foggy day. And I was, like I mentioned, with Raptis, who grew up in East Iceland. So granted, she had moved to Akureyri at some point, but this was her home turf. She knows it like the back of her hand. And of course, she also knows the people that live there <laughs> or work there, I should say. And so that was really interesting and fun, too, to see her interacting with her neighbors. And after we parked in the lot, we were greeted by Icelandic sheep at the gate. Now, please don't think that because these sheep were acting this way, that all other sheep are like this in Iceland. Most of the time, Icelandic sheep are avoiding people. <laughs> and that's usually because if they're roaming free during the summertime, they are on their ultimate vacation. They don't want to be bothered and they don't want to be rounded up, which is happening now in Iceland called the Rietur, and which is when the farmers gather their sheep who have been roaming free all summer. So normally when sheep see people, they're like, uh-uh, stay away from us. <laughs> but these sheep acted more like dogs. So it's pretty obvious that they're used to interacting with humans. And it was super cute to be greeted by them. I mean, I'm sure they just wanted food, but it still kind of felt like they were a welcoming party. And that's how I choose to remember it. So since it was summer, the first thing I noticed was how lush and green the roofs of the turf houses look. And the first house that we entered was a cafe. Now, I didn't even realize it was a cafe. Like, Raptis didn't say that when we first entered. But of course, as soon as you go in there, you're like, oh, wow, this is cool. And I was like enamored with it right away. Back in the days, these houses, like, you know, people did as much as they needed to. So, and also people weren't that tall either. It's probably due to malnutrition or something, but the doors are short. They're, they're on the shorter side, I should say. And if you're tall, you might hit your head several times, <laughs> like the beams and doorways or whatever. So just keep that in mind. I'm 5'8", for anyone's wondering, and in centimeters, that's 178 centimeters. So if you're taller than that, you might hit your head just by mistake. So ducking is is a good one just to, you know, no concussions on your vacation, please. <laughs> so I really enjoyed the cafe because it's very cozy. That's a word that gets used in Iceland all the time when something is like comfortable, warm, and it just kind of gives you that like feeling of getting out of the weather and just being bundled up. And I enjoyed the fact that they had like tablecloths on this like long bunch of tables with candles, teacups, tea kettles, and other like little knickknacks all around. The walls are lined with traditional Icelandic sweaters, which are known as lopapesas, and those are for sale. Because it was a bit chilly that day, they even had the fireplace going, so it added to the, the coziness even more. And in the cafe, they serve lummur, which is a pancake. The word for pancake is panakaka, or pönnkökur for like pancakes. And that's a totally different thing than lummur, which is what I would say if you're from the U.S. 
or certain places where like American or U.S. pancakes, Lumber is, is more like that. It is not the very thin pancake that Icelanders would call a pancake. And they also serve coffee, tea, and hot chocolate. The most astonishing thing to me, and I have to say this because we're literally in the highlands away from everything, and they can make vegan pancakes and vegan hot chocolate. <laughs> I legitimately almost hugged this lady who was making the food because I was so excited. Like, you know, plant-based people like to eat too, of course. So it was awesome that she said to me, you know, if you want, I can easily make you vegan pancakes, not vegan lemurs, which is it. And I was like, oh, what? Thank you. Yes. Yes, please. And it didn't disappoint. They were nice and crispy on the outside and moist on the inside. And the hot cocoa was just like a lovely add to all of this. Traditionally, Icelanders put raisins in their lemur, but you can have it without it. I had it with the raisins. I thought it was good, but I understand some people just don't like raisins. So that's nothing wrong with that. And you can just opt out. So the other house that is just steps away from the cafe is where you see how people lived between the times of 1843 and 1943. The kitchen, pantry, and storage for like certain animals is really fascinating to like walk through. And the earthy floors, the walls of rock make you feel like you are just entering a time capsule. It can be quite dark in there, so make sure you watch your step in that way. So low ceilings, darkness, earthy floors... It's a recipe for potentially, you know, hitting something by mistake. So just take your time. In one area of this same house where it's like this replica of how people used to live, they've actually converted it into an apartment where people can stay overnight. It's small, but it's really nice, super warm in there. And it has more modern aspects to it, like a kitchen that has a regular working stove and the sleeping area. So on one floor, it's, it's made into like a loft. There's one room that was created into a loft area. And so you go up this ladder to get to the bedroom area. And I think there's like two or three beds in there, including a bed for a child, probably like a toddler or getting into like five or six years old, depending on how tall your child is. But that was just really cool to see and awesome that people could stay overnight there if they'd like to. And if anything, it's almost like the ultimate way to experience being back in time so you're in this modern part of the house, but you can, of course, be exploring that other part. Honestly, I mean, it doesn't get dark during the summertime. So, well, maybe in September since they are open until mid-September. But I wouldn't roam around if it's dark. But during the day when it, but any other times when it's 24-hour daylight, you can, of course, you know, walk around. So that's something to keep in mind. So you can, of course, explore the rest of the house anytime. Other modern upgrades they've made for the comfort of the family that stays there over the summer in order to run this place. And the guests are, they have running water and modern toilets. Regarding visiting Sainotzel, so the only time it's available is during the summer months, which is fair. Getting into the highlands is very difficult during the winter, if not impossible. They're open from June to mid-September. And like I mentioned, this place is a hidden gem. and it's so much the case that it's unknown. The owners only have their website in Icelandic because Icelanders or people who speak Icelandic are mostly the people who go there. I'm not saying that's only the case, but it's really, really under the radar, just as much as, you know, some other places in the East. I have a link to their site in the description, and 
if you want just to go and look at it, it's a really simple page. And you can use Google Translate if you need help, like just with some of the words. But there are not a lot of words on the page. It's in essence a phone number for them, some reviews from people who have stayed there, what they serve. And Matsedit is the menu, which I had already mentioned to you, <laughs> what it is that they serve and stuff like that. So it's just really basic information for people who want to you know, learn more. And the owners, though, speak English really well. So you don't have to worry about that. If you were to call or to email them, they'll be able to communicate with you. If you're into fishing, the Sainoit Lake is about 20 kilometers from the turf house. And so that's around 12.4 miles. And it said there's a lot of Arctic char that's swimming around in there. So if you are, you know, interested in camping or maybe staying at Soinet de Sal and want to go fishing, that is an option. While I've never been fishing in Iceland and I never plan to, I'm pretty sure you need a fishing card to do this activity. So I'll have a link to that in the show notes as well. And those lovely turf houses and cafe in terms of just a reference for distance or at least time spent. If you were in Eostadir, so Eostadir is... I mean, we can say it's the capital of the East, but really it's the largest town in East Iceland. And pretty much everybody who drives through East Iceland goes through this town. It's an hour's drive from Eostadir. So not far off the beaten path, if you will. And that's really nice because it's, you know, an hour to get there, spending a little time and then an hour back or continuing into the rest of the highlands to see other things. So it could just really much be an add to your adventures, which I think is pretty amazing. To reach Sainatisal, you have to drive on an F road, specifically F907. And for those who have listened to my ultimate guide for renting a car in Iceland episode, you know that if you want to drive an F road, it is required that you use a 4x4 vehicle and it has to be insured for F roads to drive on them. So if you haven't checked out that episode, I, of course, have it linked in the description of this episode, and I highly recommend that you do. I packed it with all the info you need to make an informed decision about which kind of car to rent for your adventure in Iceland. And renting a car in Iceland can get quite expensive during the time in which Sign at the Saddle is open, so the summer months. And that's really due to demand jumping up. So if you want to save some money, you can use my code ICELAND10. When you book with Go Car Rental Iceland to save 10% on your full rental costs. So one thing the company let me know about that I'm happy to just kind of inform people of is that let's just say you go on the car, Go Car Rental Iceland website and you see a pop-up of a promotional discount on their site. And my discount gives 10%, but maybe they're running one for 15%. Well, if you use my code Iceland10, they said they will honor that amount. So whatever is the more of a discount off for using my code, you'll still get that, even though normally Iceland 10 is just for 10%. And they normally only do these promotional discounts, you know, every once in a while. So that was nice to hear. And the reason being is that I receive a small commission for those who do input my code. So your usage of Iceland 10 helps us support all things Iceland and the creation of episodes like this. Of course, thank you to everyone who has been using it and to those who use it in the future. So in my opinion, Sainatisal offers an untouched slice of Icelandic heritage. So whether you're a history buff or you're simply in search of beauty and serenity, Sainatisal promises an experience like no other. I mean, 
it just boggles my mind still that people used to live there. <laughs> so if you can fit it in your time when you're in Iceland, I hope that you check it out. Now into the random fact of the episode. And this is for any of those people who are literary enthusiasts. Haldor Laxness, which is Iceland's only Nobel laureate as of now. So he won the Nobel Prize for Literature. It's said that he was deeply inspired by the life and struggles of the people that lived at Sign Up to Sell, that he ended up using it and using in you know, referencing those kind of experiences when he wrote Shelves Steit Folk or Independent People. For the Icelandic word of the episode, Sai Noita Sel, Sai Noita Sel literally means a place to call home by a lake called Sainoit. And the word Sainoit at least in my book of monsters <laughs> that you can find in Iceland, which I'm really excited to do an episode about that. So definitely keep an eye out for this because whew, there are some fascinating creatures in Iceland. But anyway, Sainoit is a mythical creature and it's said to be kind of a likable monster and it's somewhat like a whale, but not exactly. So it's just, you know, kind of a fascinating thing that this lake that where you can go and potentially fish or just enjoy time near it there is said to be maybe some mythical creature or or whatever that could be sighted there so just keep your eye out for that <laughs> uh one hilarious thing that i don't know if it's true or not but i just read it on a blog and the person was saying that people could actually ride on cyanoids <laughs> during the summer days so who knows if that's the truth, but it sounds kind of funny and cute. And just a reminder that until October 1st, I'm providing a 10% discount on full access to over 250 wonderful places, attractions, and accommodations in Iceland on my Iceland map, as well as those four itineraries I mentioned earlier. So make sure you use code TAKE10 for my Iceland map in order to get that discount, whether you're going directly to the Rexby site or you're finding, you know, where you can access my Iceland map on allthingsiceland.com under the trip planning help tab. Bye.